Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens. But you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Hey, you ever feel like when you're using one of those ice picks to break a vice and whatnot, like when you're doing it, you kind of feel like you're using one of those prison shanks to see the movie, something like that? Then, no, no, just for me. Uh, okay, I, I was just wondering. But, uh, oh, okay, you ready? All right. On this episode, we're going to talk with the Vice President of Heritage Action for America, Jessica Anderson, about the importance of political engagement. Talk about the New York Times and what they, and I guess the trouble they got in for <laughs> being objective. And Colin Kaepernick is back in the news. Um, you know, football's back in, in the swing of things with the preseason. So I guess he's got to um, <laughs> make his voice known again for whatever reason. So, that and I'm pretty sure other things that are going to come across my mind on this episode of Trend Chat. America. Here's the podcast where we talk politics, a little entertainment, some culture, and this and that from the road to your ears. This is Trend Chat with your host, Brian Bledsoe. And welcome. Welcome to another episode of Trend Chat. I'm your host, Brian Bledsoe. And if you want to connect with us we're on facebook instagram twitter or snapchat it's all the same name at trend chat 24 7 we're playing on what what is this I'm trying to think of all the all the podcast outlets that we're on but i'm not going to go through all of them i'm just going to mention google apple Podcasts, spotify iHeartRadio, radio and other popular podcast outlets because i honestly cannot name them all because i honestly don't know where they're all at but well, wherever you're listening, I appreciate it. And I would heavily, strongly advise you to like, share, and subscribe. Five-star reviews all around. And 
I mean, that's what I would like a five star review. But if you if you want to put a four, or at least a four, I mean, at least tell me why. <laughs> um, maybe it's you know could be a number of reasons, but I would like to you know get some feedback about whether it's you know whether it's five star, four star, whatever. I'm not even go past four. Just <laughs> but again, like, share, and subscribe. So, um. If you heard the last episode, and I'm hoping that you did, and in the beginning, we mentioned about what happened at El Paso because it was right when we started recording, that's when all that went down uh, with the with the shooting out in El Paso. And by the time we finished, um, we had another shooting that happened in Dayton, Ohio. And so, and, and like that was all on the same day. And so we we've had two tragic, you know, events um, that have gone on in the past a uh, couple of days, and it's a um, it's it's been a pretty rough week. I mean, not not only I mean not for me in particular, but for the people that have been affected in the, in both of um, these um shootings and in the in the communities around it as well. And, but one thing I've noticed is that, so, I mean, by this time, I'm pretty sure you probably heard all the information about both, um, both of the shootings. I'm not going to get all into, into the details about it. The one thing I've, um, thinking about it in, um, as far as this so far as at the time of this recording, at least is that with everything that has happened in El Paso, and finding out about the shooter and 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 all that, and also finding out about the shooter in Dayton. Now, it's been what well, they both were covered about the same, but I noticed when we got more information about both of the shooters and got information, especially about the one in Dayton, it seems like the the reporting on Dayton has kind of been diminished. A little bit. It seems like, especially coming from you know the mainstream media, the you know the CNNs and all of them, like they tend to want to really focus on El Paso because of you know the shooter kind of fits the narrative that they want to really report on, and they really want to talk about you know the, the quote unquote rise of white supremacy and everything. So they really want to focus on that, but don't really want to talk too much about dating. They may talk about it, but the the balance of it is tend to be tilted just to talk more about El Paso. And I was, I will very well suspect the reason why, because the, um, the information on the Dayton shooter doesn't really fit their narrative because they, they found out that he, um, had very left wing views. He was a supporter, uh, Elizabeth Warren and all that. So, uh, I saw a tweet from, you know, from, um, from CNN, which I was surprised talking about. Well, I was surprised with CNN and New York Times. Now think about it, because I, when I saw, I guess it was just too. It was too obvious to ignore for CNN, so they just had to mention that. Yeah, the shooter in in um in Dayton had some very um, left wing views, and I guess it was just too much out there for them to ignore and i I, i'm betting that that was a very bitter pill for them to swallow to to report on that (laughs) but um 
but yeah, so it just, in that sense, it just seems like, you know, they kind of want to really shy away from that and just really want to focus on this, you know, on, um, on one of the shootings, which is unfortunate because both need to be reported on because they're both tragic, but, um, but no surprise, you know, you have the mainstream media planned, um, playing their game because they, they need to, because they are very desperate <laughs> in the sense, especially when it comes to, to the president. So, but I know for me, I know I posted earlier today, um, a, a quote, I guess for me, <laughs> which is kind of weird, but, um, I, well, I tweeted something a couple of days ago, it just, because like a lot of times when, whenever a tra- tragic event happens, you know, um, that tends to be the time when everyone wants something done. So, so like the tweet is, so like in the wake of tragedy, the call of do something, and there was a hashtag going on around um, after these shootings. It was a hashtag do something along with gun control and, and other things as well. But like in the wake of tragedy, the call of do something arises. And normally all we turn out doing is just surrendering more our liberty, more of our rights. And that seems like that what's where that's the route we're going now, where you got this whole hashtag do something. And now, um, unfortunately, even to the point to where you have the president and also, um, Republicans in Congress are kind of going along with this, um, with these red flag laws now in the midst of this tragedy. And it's a very emotional time and, and, and I feel like whether with good intentions or not, I mean, I feel like they, they feel like because everyone telling them that hey, you got to do something which don't just do something because that that could be as worse as with the with the tragedy that has happened you could just make things worse for the country for years to come so now with these red flag laws i mean this um so there is a lot of nuance a lot of stuff behind it I would say simply put, it would basically come down to like if someone, um, a family member or then again, there's different laws across different states as well. Some want to use, um, like on the federal level, they want to, they want to use one of the states as, as an example, as far as what they want to use for red flag laws or whatever. But basically you can report on someone this is this is very simplistic. I understand that. Just someone can report to law enforcement that you are a threat, and then they can come and take your take your guns because um, someone has uh, perceived you as a threat. That's very simplistic. I'm, I, I know there's a lot more to it, but that's kind of a simple version of it. If you haven't heard about it at all, I would implore you to check it out. And but either way that right there even from that simple very simple definition that i just gave um that could be uh, that could be very problematic especially if you going by someone else's reporting on you um someone may not like you because you have guns and just the simple fact you having a gun they perceive you as a threat 
or and and the thing about it is that once so not to really get too too deep into this but i'm just thinking about it off the top of my head so if, i mean if someone reports you and then you know law enforcement comes in and then they take your firearms or whatever like that i mean that right there um is an infringement because you without the due process um if that if it happens that way and even if you have to do pro- now if you had to do process okay maybe that will maybe something but even I, I i don't see that right now and 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 if someone if they're just coming in and taking your guns right and then then you got to prove yourself innocent because because once they once they take it taking it from you now you got to prove prove that you're not a threat and that kind of goes against the whole you know innocent to proven guilty um with these red flag laws, it's kind of making you, you know, basically uh, guilty until, you know, proven innocent. <laughs> so, um, and in the meantime, no telling how long it takes for you to get your, get your guns back. If you do, it kind of reminds me of the whole uh, civil, um, civil asset forfeiture issue where, where people, you know, where law enforcement can um, take your money, take your assets, and then you have to prove that that you're that you didn't do anything wrong to get your property back, which turns out to take um, lots of time and money to do. That's what it kind of feels like, you know, and you know that's what it feels like to me. But um, one thing, and and all of this is going on mainly because this is just another case where people where there is a a tragedy and government is taking advantage of that of that emotion um in this case we it's, this is a bipartisan um what um i guess it taking advantage of in a way because but it seems like it's not even going to go anywhere because um i saw something earlier that um chuck schumer uh, seem to not want to cooperate with the Republicans, even the one, even the ones that are saying they are for some of these red flag laws, law, laws. I said red flag laws, <laughs> red flag laws, and um, but he doesn't buy it, or he wants it to go further, obviously because the the main goal if not for all especially most democrats it's just basically just to they call it gun reform they can call it whatever they want in the end of the day it's basically just want to take guns away from law-abiding citizens if they can't take it from everyone they want to take it from as many people as possible because for one it's easy it's easy to um control the populace if they're not armed for one um and i know that really sounds very dark and like oh this conspiracy theory but regardless of what people tell you i know a lot of people even in the two-way community the second amendment community tends to want to make it seem like well the second amendment is for (laughs) it's for self-defense but it's also for hunting but it and they kind of want to keep it there no it is also to protect yourself from the government. 
It is. Some try to want to sugarcoat it or try to want to gloss over that fact, but no. That's one. That is another aspect, and that is a a main aspect of the Second Amendment to protect yourself, not only from from a burglar in your house, also from the government if they want to um, infringe on your rights. And look, and I'm pretty sure by saying that first thing a lot of people want to think about when you go down that road, they're like, oh, you want to fight the government? Oh, what what's your what's your couple of guns are going to be against a tank or whatever like that? But Okay. One, that's not the point. And two, um, you, you should have that right of self-defense. And one example I could think of is that, hey, we have a great military and yet out there overseas, we'd send there with fighting people over there in Afghanistan and they don't have all the most sophisticated equipment themselves and yet they're able to fight but hey that is that is a possibility and that is something we should be we should have a right to defend ourselves from all threats so but it seems like we're not even even thinking about going in that direction as a country we're more going towards trying to give away more of our rights as as much as possible and it's always tends to be surrounding some sort of tragic event which i understand why because like i said people are really um caught up emotionally and just want to feel safe and uh coley on the war had a had a tweet that i retweeted and posted (laughs) out myself is that you don't have the right to quote unquote feel safe but you do have a right to buy a gun and defend yourself but that's a un you know you know very unpopular inconvenient truth <laughs> but um people a lot of people don't really see it that way especially a good majority of people when they want to they basically have been told and basically have been conditioned you know, by the media and politicians that they need to give basically all our security to the state. I mean, that's how they're basically telling everyone to like, you don't need a gun. You know, the police can take care of you 24, seven, three, three, six to five. Um, and if not, well, well, you shouldn't have the right to defend yourself. That's what a, a lot of these um, people in the media, especially then a lot of these, um, celebrities out here uh, wanting to uh, put out you know, a hashtag about hashtag gun control. Meanwhile, while they're being heavily armed uh, and, you know, protected themselves. So, but, um, but the answer, you know, it's not, it's not gun control. That is not the answer. It really isn't. It, that's not the answer. The answer is more people in control of guns. Now, not saying like just give everybody a gun that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is that the answer is not gun control it's more people in control of guns people who are fully capable of having a firearm but as i've said before have been conditioned to feel like they don't need one when they are fully capable of actually 
carrying. But there's a lot of people out there that just feel like, oh, I don't, I, I, they're scared of guns and have been made to, to be scared of guns because of what they've been told by the media and that and have been told over and over again that they don't need one and that um, that they should um, so they should actually feel inferior. They like, oh, why you why you got to have a gun on you? Because uh, like, <laughs> some people are like, oh, you, you just um you're insecure about yourself because you have a gun for some reason. I don't. I, they make these really absurd <laughs> analogies for people to 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 the, have the right to defend themselves, but. It has worked, unfortunately, because a lot of people who are, are out there that are that could be out there protecting people whenever something like this happens have neutered themselves into just basically being a victim when they very well could have been one of the people to protect someone, to stop someone uh, whenever something like this happens. Good. Yeah. So, well. That's, I mean, that's where we're at now, but, oh, well, this is, um, we'll see where, where this goes, at least as far as in, in Congress, if, um, I'm hoping none of this happens with the real red flag laws. I mean, I, I disagree with, with, with the president and, and some of these Republicans who are, are for this. And if this gets on the floor, I'll be out there calling them saying, you know, vote no. Um, against this, regardless if the president is for it or not, um, um, because we don't need any more infringements um, on our right to self-defense. And other stuff, maybe. This is Trend Chat with your host, Brian Bledsoe. Hello to fans of Trend Chat and Brian Bledsoe, the founding project an education nonprofit dedicated to civics invites you to visit our brand new website, Visit us at thefoundingproject.com. Be a part of the civics movement with The Founding Project. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Please join us today. What's going on? It's Brandon Tatum, and you're listening to Trench Chat. So, first off, uh, thanks to 1776united.com for being a um, partner with Trend Chat. And as people have seen me, whether whether it's any of these events or whatnot, they'll see me in one of the hats or the shirts or whatnot. I mean, uh, whether it's the Declaration Independence shirt or the... Um, what the, I got so many different shirts. I actually got another shirt coming in. It's in the mail now. That's basically about the, about the second amendment saying, you know, uh, technology changes, but our rights don't, um, talking about, you know, the, the technology of the musket down to the AR 15. And so just because technology changes doesn't mean that our right to self-defense change. And so, um, yeah, so like that shirt as well, 
Um, like I said, I don't have it yet. It's in the mail right now. But I would say check them out at 1776united.com. And if you put in the code 70, well, 76militia-trendchat. So I'm say it again, 76, like 1776, 76militia, like a well-regulated militia, dash trend chat so seven six militia trend chat and you get 20 percent off on your next purchase so like i mentioned in the beginning we're gonna um have our interview with the, the with the vice president of heritage action for america jessica anderson and and one thing i do want to mention we've had people from uh, whether it's the heritage foundation or heritage action one thing I've mentioned before is that I'm a Sentinel in the Heritage Action Sentinel program, and they have these what they call a Sentinel Summit around the country, and it's great information. Lots of um, uh, great speakers giving giving out a lot of um, I guess encouragement and helping people like myself as far as to be more efficient as far as engaging with their community and as far as the the people in Washington as, when it comes to these bills and whatever something comes up kind of like what I was just mentioning just now with the whole red flag laws or something um, so like when something comes down and that is a uh, of importance and Heritage Action, they really help as far as organizing and giving us the information as far as to talk uh, with the representatives or the senators and and to really advocate for, you know, for liberty, advocate for conservatism. And so, yeah, like I said, we're going to going to have her have her on and we're going to talk a uh, talk a little bit about about that as well. But but, but before we get to that. Like I mentioned again earlier, so I think as of you're hearing this, the first preseason game happened. I think because the Hall of Fame was this past weekend, I think. I really don't remember. <laughs> and that's something I, I have kind of removed myself so much from watching NFL, at least in the past couple of years to the point. I, I, I used to know when the Hall of Fame was. I used to know. I used to know when uh the preseason games were and all that i mean but yeah i have gotten so far removed <laughs> from watching nfl with and it's not about i know i mentioned about colin kaepernick <laughs> so it's by me saying that it's, it's not just that it wasn't just that i was already out kind of stopping um watching nfl before kaepernick because there were other issues that i was having um and none of them had to do with whole CTE issue either because the people are voluntarily going out to play football. So that's on them. Um, my issues were with the, how, how they were, I guess their politics. I've, I've mentioned this before. I'm not going to go into it. If I don't even have the episode number because I, there was one episode where I think I talked about it for 45 minutes, but, um, um, we had this well there was one incident where it all started with me it's back when 
when back when Russell Limbaugh was trying to buy us at then the then St. Louis Rams and then all the he had various owners, one of them the Indianapolis owner, uh Jim Ursay and had um other players just basically uh throwing a fit about the potential of Russell Limbaugh owning the team and that just kind of got on yeah I just like I didn't really like that how they would um how they were just so so adamant against him um being part of a group so that was the beginning of it so that was like almost I don't know maybe 10 years ago so that was that was the kind of beginning of it and then other things that happened anyway hadn't done, had much nothing much to do with Kaepernick but that all that being said now that football is starting so i'm guessing Kaepernick got to you know got to chirp up and say something because that's the time he really gets uh, get some attention and so he came out and saying that he's gone over i don't know he it was over 800 days he's been denied work and so but you know out there basically claiming himself as a martyr and whatever like that and but one thing he said he was denied work. That is wrong. That is flat out wrong. He refused to work because he was offered contracts. He just didn't want to sign them because he didn't think it was up to his what he thought that he was worth. But newsflash is not. He's not the one who um <laughs> who who has the the power to say how much his play is worth. That's up to whoever is offering the contract and he didn't agree. So he didn't sign the contracts and therefore he's not playing. Now I know a lot of people right now, uh, well, <laughs> ever since this whole thing with Kaepernick has gone on, you know, want to kind of, I guess, harp on, <laughs> or kind of want to pile on, <laughs> on, um, on Kaepernick by saying that, well, he just, um, you know, because reason why he ain't playing is not because of the whole kneeling, it's because he, you know, he's a terrible quarterback. I'm not gonna go that far. He wasn't. He's not a terrible quarterback. I'll put it this way: if he didn't have the whole controversy of what he was doing, um, he would at least be on the team. Not saying he would be starting anywhere, but he would be on a team. He maybe start somewhere, maybe because he was mediocre. Um, especially at the end in his last season. So I think he would still be playing right now. But then, like I said, it's the whole controversy about him kneeling and everything. And if I'm an owner, do I want to risk having this mediocre quarterback on my team with all the, the attention unwanted? Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com thisishome today.
to the tension that you know that's going to come upon your team you want to bring all that on on and not win <laughs> because it's not like Kaepernick is the missing piece to a winning team like well we got to have Kaepernick to win the Super Bowl because if he was that good then yeah he'd be playing they'd be like they, you know they can care less about the controversy if they can if they know that they can get him on the team and then win the Super Bowl because then it'll be worth it by winning but but you got to win it all because if you don't win then you're stuck with him with the with all that that surrounds all his activism that I'm pretty sure he will be involved in and um on top of not winning <laughs> so but that's the that's the risk that that you would have to take and a lot of them well all of them right now are not willing to take their risk and I don't blame them. I mean, look, I've mentioned before, he has the freedom to do, to kneel all he wants or whatever. <clears throat> but that's, that doesn't take him away from the, um, the consequences of doing that. And one of that is that you, <laughs> you basically have made yourself to, to the point to where people don't even want to have you on your team, especially if, if you not, you have to be really good to get past controversy, especially on the level that where um where he was and where he is at least as far as um in the national in the national eye as far as public attention. <clears throat> but uh, but yeah. So I guess he's still not playing. I mean, who knows? Maybe he he might get picked up this year. Who knows? But um, uh, yeah. I mean, just because I, I would defend his freedom to to kneel as much as I disagree with what he's doing and why he's doing it, um, I would, you know, just because I would defend that by saying that, I mean, I'm not going to applaud his use of his freedom. <laughs> so if he's gonna gonna do that, I'm I'm gonna be right there again saying that you know I I think what he's doing is wrong and he's and he he's um. He should not do that. I mean, so, but at this moment, he's not getting that opportunity. So I guess he'll be kneeling at home or not watching it or whatever. So, so, uh, now we're going to get to our interview with, uh, with, uh, um, Jessica Anderson. And before, um, I guess before one thing, I think in the interview, I guess I want to kind of make clear <laughs> because in the interview, I know I was talking about earlier about the whole hashtag do something and how that has affected where we've got to the point to where, especially with this recent event, as far as using red flag laws and basically using this tra tragic event as an excuse to trample on our freedoms and and rights in the constitution so i said that reason i'm mentioning that now because in the interview i do talk about one thing about you know i mentioned about do something but it's totally different because we're talking about political engagement i just want to mention that first before before you hear that you hear this in the interview you're like well didn't he just say um about that about do something now he's talking about in the interview i, I just want to mention that first so you know where i'm, where I'm coming from so all right, without further ado, here's our interview.
chat with your host, Brian Bledsoe. Hello, this is Trend Chat, and we are very pleased to have the Vice President of Heritage Action for America, Jessica Anderson, with us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So, first thing, actually, I remember, because I've been a son for a while, and one of the things, uh, look, this may not even mean anything, but I remember you're, uh, looking at your name, and it said Jessica Custer. Anderson. Okay, is that a relation to a famous custard or no? <laughs> it is. Okay. It is. You know, not many people pick up on that these days, but my maiden name is Custer, like the general. I have the I have the general Custer nose. Uh, for those watching at home, you can see. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, he's uh, on my dad's side. It's a direct relation, so it always gets some giggles and then some stares, depending on what part of the country we're in. Okay. Yeah, I would just. Yeah, I always wanted to ask you that, and I was wondering. And I'm like, I'm guessing that's true. Now, given that you said that, I mean, um, I guess how has that been growing up with, you know, with that? Um, you know, I, I I think like anyone, your family heritage is an integral part of your upbringing and is kind of part of how you view life. And so I think with that came a fierce sense of patriotism and duty to country and wanting to serve. And for me, that meant getting involved in politics and trying to ensure that conservative principles, those that I grew up on, um, are passed down to the next generation. You know, that my kids have the chance to um, get a good paying job, get a good college education without a liberal indoctrination, and, and to be able to fight and serve their country one day just as myself and, you know, my husband and my whole family have. And that as far as, you know, just growing up, I mean, one thing I tend to ask a lot of people, I mean, as far as, I guess tell us about yourself and where did, uh, I guess, the the drive to be engaged in, in politics? Yeah, no, that's a great question. It's so important that we know where we came from to know where we're going. Um, so I grew up in South Florida, first of four kids, big family of six. All of our extended family lived around us. My dad owns a small business. He's an entrepreneur. And so I grew up kind of with that sort of, you know, reaching the American dream and, and American heritage as part of our culture, uh, putting family first, putting God first. And so when uh, when I graduated college, I went to a state university. I knew that I wanted to really give back um, and to get involved politically on, on the public policy side. And so I got engaged in, in conservative accountability because I was frustrated with what I saw coming out of Washington. I wanted to see, you know, less government, more freedom, um, and I didn't feel like that was happening in, in the, the final years of, of Bush as president, um, and of course the, the eight years of Obama as president. So that was the tipping point for me to make this a full-time career, to, to kind of give my life to be able to do this and, and travel across the country and meet with activists and work on Capitol Hill to hold those members of Congress accountable as well. Now, you were a grassroots director at Heritage Action, but then you went to the White House to work in the Office of what? Office of Management and Budget. Okay, so I was trying to trying to think of it right quick, but um, but how was it working in the White House? Well, working in the White House is an, is such an incredible opportunity. I mean, it is a historic uh, moment to serve in any White House, let alone this one with President Trump. Uh, and his vision for America to make America great again. And it was a, a complete honor. I was there um, over a year and a half 
uh, working from when we first opened, uh, when we first opened the new administration uh, till almost a year ago today, over over Fourth of July was my last week there. And I loved it because I saw firsthand how government works. I ran a really robust process that is underneath all of the agencies and the executive office, which ensures that the administration can speak with one voice and that we're unified as we work with Congress. And so I learned front and center how how the administration can work. Um, I, I learned that Twitter was not something that the Founding Fathers envisioned when they set up government agencies and the executive office and how communications work. So I really enjoyed my time and consider it a true honor to have served um, for that year and a half. And so, and with that, now you're back with Heritage Action as the Vice President. And we've talked about on on the podcast a number of times we had Janae Sraki on, we had others from Heritage and just, but for the people who maybe are listening to this podcast for the first time, first off, um, you know, shame on you, you should have been listening a long time ago, but, um, but if people want to know, uh, I guess give a little description of um, Heritage Action. Sure. So Heritage Action is the sister group to the Heritage Foundation. And we were founded almost 10 years ago in 2010, uh, really in, in the aftermath of President Obama passing an incredible overreach of our healthcare system with Obamacare. And we were created with one thing in mind, holding members of Congress accountable and ensuring that conservative principles have a fighting chance in the room in Washington to make it into final bills that ultimately end up in the president's desk. So at Heritage Action, we're committed uh, to working with activists across the country, building them up, ensuring that they know the issues um, are growing their networks, growing their skill base. We have events like the one that we're at today with Brian. You can always count on him being here, although he's not in his cowboy hat. You're not in your cowboy hat today. <laughs> and I usually can spot you from the stage because you got your cowboy hat on. So I'm going to have to talk to you about that later. He does have an American flag hat on, so I guess we'll give him a, we'll give, we'll give you a free pass. Yeah. Today. There you go. But in any case, we host these events and, uh, they're really, really meant to bring folks together and, and allow us to focus on, um, what we need to do to go back to Washington and ensure that conservatism has a fighting chance. So um, what's new with Heritage Action for this year? So this year we're, we're really focused on two things. The first of which is to ensure that um, there is clear contrast between conservatives and the liberal left and what they're trying to espouse with everything from Medicare for All to their incredible budgets that are busting through the caps, open borders immigration, free student loans, uh, the Green New Deal disrupting our entire electoral process. The list really goes on on the left. And so what is that clear contrast between what they're trying to do to completely disrupt um, our American culture as well as um, our, our founding principles of free markets Um, and then what the right is focused on. And we believe that we've got the solutions that promote limited government, strong national defense, and frankly, fiscal sanity um, in today's time when, you know, even some Republicans have been agreeing to to more spending and an increase in spending. So what we're trying to do is is really provide that contrast between the two of them so that there's a clear line and, and clear difference um, not only so that activists know the difference, but so that voters ultimately can make those decisions in 2020 at the ballot box. So that's that's first and foremost. And like I said, we've got plenty of plenty of policies to pull from as the left is just veering further and further and further to the left. 
The second thing that's on kind of the priority list this year is ensuring that Sentinel Nation across the country is well equipped for the fight ahead in, in 2020. So we are working hard to make sure that policy um, is approachable, easy to understand. Folks know um, how to talk about immigration, how to talk about the legal immigration reforms that are needed, asylum reforms that are needed, why the crisis at the border is a, is a real and current threat, um, all of those issues, and then that we can turn that in to a robust get-out-the-vote strategy for 2020. So we want to use this year to build up Sentinel Nation with the policies so that we can put them on the road and have Sentinels go door-to-door in support of these policies heading into the 2020 election. So we'll be shifting, having a little bit of a shift at the end of this year uh, to encourage folks to go out into their communities and, and start going go to door-to-door for that effort. So those two things are forefront in my mind right now. Hello, this is Brian Bledsoe, host of Trend Chat. Also, contributor at Politichicks.com. Here to tell you about the new book called Politichicks, A Clearing Call to Political Activism. With over 300 pages from contributors like myself, talking about topics such as education, social issues, healthcare, the Second Amendment, and of course, activism. I encourage you all to check it out at Politichicks.com and is also available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. This is Dana Lash and you're listening to Trend Chat. I know a lot of times... Um, we mentioned on the podcast about you know it's really important as far as being engaged you know in whether it's a lo- you know locally or at state level wherever just do something that's kind of the if anything is the i guess a theme for for the podcast like do something that you can we, everybody can do a little something it's not like we can we don't, we don't all have to do every you know, try to do everything i think a lot of times um people tend to get fearful because they think that, oh, well, if I get engaged, I have to run for Congress or something else <laughs> or something like that. So um, one thing that helps, um, at least for me, is the, the Sentinel program as far as helping people to get somewhat involved. So um, for one, we're here at one of the Sentinel summits here. And so uh, I guess if people kind of want to know a little bit about the Sentinel program and and also the events that go on. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. So whether you have five minutes a week or you have five hours a week, Sentinel program is for you. Whether you have a Twitter account and you like to tweet uh, directly at people and share articles or you engage on Facebook or you write letters to the editor, all we're looking for is that you'll be engaged and commit to doing something to hold your member of Congress accountable and fight on those front lines of freedom in your community. So, you know, whatever that looks like for you, we're going to come alongside you. We're going to help you be the best letter to the editor writer you can be, get it placed. If you want to go on TV uh, and talk to your local media about issues, we're going to help you do that. If you want to run for office, we're even going to help you do that. So regardless of what your interests are or how much time you have, our bottom line is, are can you become engaged and can you commit to, to really standing strong for all of the freedoms that we love and, and hold dear. And if you can say yes to those two questions, then Sentinel's for you. And we have a team, an excellent team of seasoned uh, um, political operatives that live all across the country. We call them regional coordinators. They're there in your community to uh, Make sure you've got the latest information, get you on the Monday night strategy calls that we host, our Facebook page, hook you up with these events that we offer. We're, we're in Cincinnati today. We're heading to Atlanta in a month. We're heading down to Texas. And we were in, in Scottsdale, Arizona a month ago. So 
we try to come to you just as much as we'd love to see you in Washington, D.C., but we realize not everyone wants to come to Washington, uh, so we use other things like the Monday Night Call and the Facebook page to stay in touch. So if you're even on the fence and you're thinking about, wow, you know, I'd really like to do something more than just vote, voting's a given, right? If I want to do something a little bit more, give us a shout out, call Brian, text Brian, he'll get you hooked up. He's been a, you've been a great sentinel for us all these years. Um, and it's cool to see, you know, something like this podcast just reach a ton of people across the country who are interested in the same issues that we are. So thank you. Yeah, well, I, I you know, I'm just just doing something. So right. and, uh, just and, do something. <laughs> and so here at the summit, one thing in particular, I, I don't know, it's it's kind of minor but it's just something i really wanted to mention is um so we were going through uh, i guess a lot of polling information yes. and one question that came up look, for one i want i want to ask you about you know just polling highlights um but one thing in particular that stood out is that uh there was a question saying do you think a four-year degree is worth the price of it uh, of tuition and it was like across the board said no. Yeah. Now, now, one thing that stood out out of all that, I saw in the little subsets no for people who had a college degree. I know. Isn't that wild. <laughs> it's so wild. Yeah. So we kicked off our day here in Cincinnati, going through our latest uh, polling research, where we were trying to go in and see what was the 2016 Trump coalition, who were the voters that made sure Trump got elected, and what are the policies that today, in 2019, animate them. That way we can learn something going into 2020. And so one of the things that stood out in this, in this poll is this higher ed question, which polled at 73% of Americans, general ballot voters, so Republicans, Democrats, and independents, believe that a four-year college degree is not worth it. And in the crosstabs, it shows an even split. Even those that do have a college degree agree that it wasn't <laughs> worth it. So something's going on here, um, and that's what we've been we've been looking into. And you know, we've got some theories that we've tested. Everything from the liberal bias that college campuses have, where they're just so biased, and um, you know, are, are indoctrinating our kids, we called it liberal boot camp when you go to college, to sat, being saddled with student loan debt, graduate from school with an art history degree, and you've got $90,000 worth of debt, how do you pay that off? Um, and so that sort of anxiety around debt is, is really real. Um, and, then, and then third, that the education system and higher ed right now is not actually equipping you for what sort of jobs we need for our future. And so, you know, between those three things, I think we've got this theory going on about that, that, you know, college is just, is not, uh, is, is, is not worth it. And voters are clearly showing that. So our solution to that is to remove the federal government from any form of higher ed, decouple the funding from the higher ed system, um, that way you don't have this steady chain of liberal indoctrination that's coming down. Um, and hopefully that will continue to decrease the cost um, and provide some accountability on these college campuses. You know, we have all sorts of ideas right now, but if, you know, if your college campus is stifling free speech, they need to be cut off from federal um, grants from the federal government. I mean, there are a number of policy solutions like that we should be considering to get at this question. So that was one of the highlights you asked about 
some of the other highlights of the polls. Um, immigration stood out to me as you know the number one issue right now across the country. Um, voters are 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 you know animated about this. They see the crisis at the border as real. Uh, they want a, they want the president and Congress to deal with this crisis in a, in a very real way, not just throw money at the problem, but build in some established reforms. They're concerned about the illegal immigration um, overreach into social services just as much as they are the crime and safety aspect of illegal immigration and, and how it undermines American culture. Second thing that, that stood out was this perception of, and perception is reality in polls, so we, we, we totally get the joke there, but this perception of unfair treatment and, and how we can look at the successes of the tax bill versus what more needs to be done um, to ensure economic opportunity across the country and how we think about the future of work. The third thing that uh, was a big trend um, within these polls is, is really the aspect of culture and how the left has just gone further and further to the left to undermine American culture. And when you look at everything from um, the left allowing and, and celebrating and pushing for biological males to play in female sports uh, as part of the transgender movement to their extremism on late-term and after-birth abortions uh, where babies are denied in, you know, infant care after they've been born because the mother still insists on an abortion. I mean, that's, that's murder in any, any other way you look at it, um, to their extremism around um, education, around student loans and student debt, um, and in culture in general. So those three things, immigration, jobs, and the economy and the workforce, and then uh, the, the, the concerns and anxiety around the left and undermining our American culture really were the three main trends that popped in these four polls that we presented this morning. And if you're joining us in Atlanta uh, or joining us in Texas for these events, we're going to go through the polling then too, or give us a call and we'll get you some of this information so you can get it out into your communities. All right. So if um, I guess if people want to get in contact with you or know more about Harris Datchin, where would they go? So you can check us out on our website, heritageaction.com. Um, you can find all of our contact information there. Our regional coordinators are there. Follow us on Twitter, at heritage underscore action, for our uh, daily updates as, as we move through the congressional cycle and, and really seek to, to hold Washington accountable and make it more conservative and representative of us, of all of us, the American people. So thanks, Brian, for having me. Yeah, I want to say thank you so much for your time, and I, you know, I appreciate being a Seminole, and yeah, just thanks for everything that y'all do. Awesome. Hey, what's up? This is Kaya Jones, and you're listening to me on Trend Chat. All right. Yep. And thanks to Jessica for joining us. And also want to mention, she mentioned about being um, here at the action being in Texas. So um, August 17th. Here at Action will be in Austin. And so if you want to know more about that, go to heritageaction.com slash summit. And 
if you're able to join us down in um Austin, uh, you know, you will have a a great time. It's um as far as learning and get a chance to hear from some uh, good speakers and um, policy experts. So yeah, it's uh August seventeenth in Austin, and yeah, and go to Heritage Action, uh, or or go to either one of the uh, pages on social media on Facebook or or um, on Twitter as well. So so yeah, August seventeenth in Austin, and I'm thinking because um I haven't even got to the New York Times story, and here we are at oh what is almost over fifty minutes. Yeah, um, but um. It's, well, I, I, I guess I'll just bring it up right quick. Um, so the New York Times had a headline after the president uh, spoke uh, uh, about El Paso. I think, well, yeah, about El Paso in particular. And and in his speech, in um, the well, I'm trying to remember because so New York Times had a, a headline that said <clears throat> Trump. Uh, what was it? Basically, we're saying like Trump speaks unity versus um, versus racism. I guess I should have had that up right quick because well, mainly because I I thought I would have um, I thought I was gonna not do it after um, after I've forgotten about it. But anyway, <clears throat> it was a very objective headline. It basically just said the story, and th- and that was it. And isn't that what journalism is supposed to be? Where you basically just lay out the facts, or you just try to the uh, try to be objective in your reporting. But oh no, the liberals, <laughs> the left, AOC, and all of them—they just could not bear to think that the New York Times of all would um would put out a headline that would be fair to the president. AOC put out that um in response to this headline that that the New York Times would were, were cowards basically by posting the headline there. So I have the headline now. It's Trump urges unity versus racism. That was the headline. And so, like I said, very fair headline, very objective, but the progressive, the left, they're they're not used to that. They're used to having, um, having their headlines in the New York times, not any, any sort of objective journalism. So anyway, uh, they basically, uh, screamed, kicked in, yeah, and tweeted, enough to the point to where the New York times changed their, um, the headline to basically it's, I don't even know what they changed it to, cause I'm not even about to look it up, but, <laughs> but they changed it to, I guess, to make them feel a little bit better, even though they didn't, I don't think they really liked the change either. They, they basically wanted the New York times to just say what they're already saying 
that you know he's a racist, he's a white supremacist, and blah blah blah. That's what they want. That's what they wanted the the paper of record to show on their headline. You know, but yeah, that yeah that was it. I don't know. If I would have said in much more about that anyway because mainly because I didn't even didn't even bring up the. <laughs> the headline myself to talk about it maybe it was a good thing i shouldn't have brought it up i sat here and went like five minutes over to talk about that i don't know oh well i appreciate you listening i really do <laughs> so uh yeah we're at the end this this is it because i'm not even about to get into the other crazy story about the movie um about that movie that basically is a fantasy for liberals to, to to kill um conservatives to kill uh, kill deplorables they use the word that's used in the movie and maybe i might get into that next week i don't know but uh, anyway so again i appreciate you listening like share subscribe please just you know i, I look i'm not not too proud to just say please you know to like share and subscribe and actually no next week we will have uh lucia scatamachia now i don't know it's been a while since i've said her name again but so we're gonna have her we're gonna have her on and we're gonna talk about um you know her uh, her upbringing and her about her being engaged and everything so look forward to that and until next week we will chat with you later Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Guys. As we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today. 833-687-0700. 833-687-0700. Zero seven zero zero.